I already said yo, though. I already said oh, yo. But that's yo okay. You know what? Can yo. you say it again? Yeah, I just said I just said it again. Yo. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a... Uh, this is a special uh, episode of the Where It Went podcast, where normally we talk about the Revelation Records discography in chronological order. But you know what? Sometimes when you're driving down the highway... If life is a highway, I'm going to drive it and then there's going to be a road closure or there's going to be a detour and you're just going to have to see where it takes you. And that's what this episode is. Stop at Bucky's, get a big drink. What's a Bucky's? Yeah, I was going to say, sometimes, is that 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 a Bucky's? Like Wawa? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a deluxe version of Wawa. With the clever logo. Oh, you know what? I think I've seen that on Dude Perfect. I think they were perfect. Oh my God, dude. You clearly don't have children. (laughs) I do. And I don't know what it is. Oh my God. I got to get out of here. You dude. Perfect is. I'll I'll ask them when I, when we get off, I'll say, what is it? But um, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, we've said before, like there's going to be detours. Cause just like Javier said, stop being an apologist. Don't, it doesn't matter. And what yeah. we're doing, if someone's listening to this podcast and this episode, like you get what you get <laughs> and you don't throw a fit. Ah, uh, it's yeah. too small. So, uh, That's yeah, we have, a, we have a cool episode. I love her. Oh, man. <laughs> we have a cool episode. Jason. Yo. Tell us what we got today. Hob's got a knife. He just pulled a knife out to ask me <laughs> to tell me that. I'm wearing a Watane <laughs> <To> demand, shirt. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> to demand, yeah. I tell him what we're doing today. Uh, today we're talking to Drew and Garrett from New Rising Sons about their uh, upcoming discography LP. Is it fair to call this a discography LP? No, it's the no, an- it anthology. It's a collection. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. a, it's like a, like anthology. a Drew. I think Drew in the interview mentioned bookend. It's like a bookend. Mm. It's the yeah. first stuff they recorded. Mm-hmm. On side B and the last stuff they recorded on side A, and it's called demo to demolition. So that's from, what we're from demo about. to demolition, Arctic Rodeo, uh, and you know, as we talked about in the interview, these guys played in some other bands that are on Rev, had records on Rev, and we just thought, I you know, great dudes, great you know, New Rising Suns are great, so why not why not talk about them, give them some shine, as Jason. I love that shine. Hey. Give, us, give them some shine. Hey, I think there's someone else we need to give some shine to after we. Shine. Hey, you know what? If you find a, like, let's say you open a bag of coffee beans and you look at these beans and they're really dark and shiny, it means that they've been roasted too long and they're probably not going to taste good. I know this because I'm a coffee snob. Which I I don't really care. I'll I'll call myself a coffee snob, but I can also assure you that this is not going to happen if you get coffee from Essex Coffee Roasters. I agree. Yeah. Essex Coffee Roasters. Um, check out the website. Owned by Aaron Dahlbeck, old friend, friend of the pod. Remember, we actually talked to Aaron for an episode that was gonna, I was, was going to say. Yeah. Do you remember what uh, Aaron's favorite rev release was? No. Statue. Correct. Yeah. Filter the infection. Filter the infection. That's right. So that's a cool, that's a cool choice. I thought it's in my top five. Um, and, uh, Essex coffee roasters.com. You, you can know, who use else? the code. Hold on. You can What's use the code? the code where it went, get 10% off 
your order and have some great coffee. And then you can stay awake all night long and you can binge listen to Listening all the to way bold. it went. Hey, yeah. You know who else likes coffee? Alex from Statue. And you know who, how I know this? Because Porcel was at my house last week and he said that he saw Alex from Statue at a coffee shop in Long Beach. And so then I asked Alex, I was like, hey, you like coffee? Uh, you like this? We, you know, we started chit-chatting about coffee shops in Long Beach, California. And uh, Can I throw an idea out there? What? Essex Coffee Statue Blend. Mm. Uh, would you say it's uh, that you would have to filter the infection? I was, I was going there. I was going there with it. I couldn't take it all the way home, but I was going that direction. But, uh, but hey, I keep on forgetting that. Uh, so I did some artwork for Darkest Hour. They did. Uh, it was called Live in Lockdown, Live at the Black Cat, and they did an Essex roast. Did it? Was it called the Darkest Roast? Oh, that's no, a missed opportunity. That's a missed opportunity. I am. But yeah. maybe they don't like dark roast coffee. <clears throat> I don't personally. I like I light it. roast. And that's what's good about Essex Coffee is they have a lot of um, options for, uh, you know, what kind of coffee you can order. Jason, I'm surprised that you like dark roast because from what I understand, dark roast has the least amount of caffeine of any coffee. Really? Yeah. The, the longer you roast it, it like magically roasts ah. the caffeine out. Maybe that's why you can drink allegedly so much of it and you know <laughs> drinking drinking coffee Dude, at 5 p.m and being able to go to bed still go to sleep yeah kind of anyway sleep, but yeah uh, essex coffee roasters they got some really good stuff i highly suggest you go over to the website use the code that greg just mentioned get yourself some coffee get yourself some tea get yourself some merch and uh are, are we going to talk to aaron on this podcast anytime soon yeah, well, I, I I want to talk to him about uh, the coffee. That's it. Yeah, can we just have yeah. a coffee episode? Yeah, yeah that would be Patreon. Sick. No, that'd be we're gonna so talk sick. to him about Essex. I, seriously, <laughs> we're going to soon. That'd be cool. awesome. Yeah, cool. Uh, and now that you mentioned Patreon, it's a good opportunity to mention our Patreon that you can check out if you go to www.whereitwentpodcast.com. There's information about how you can sign up for our Patreon. When you are a patron, you get episodes early, you get bonus episodes, and you get access to our Discord, which uh, has a lot of, it's got some chatter in there sometimes. I didn't look at it for a whole day, and I came back, and there was a lot that I had to catch up on. But yeah, it's pretty clean in there. It's, it's pretty mellow compared to other uh, chat rooms and message boards and, you know, communities that I've been a part of. So I, I just want to give a bit of bow to all of our patrons and all of the people in the discord. Uh, any, anything else, uh, Jason, you said you had something that you needed to shout. What's up? Oh, I do. Um, I have something I, with the disc or with the Patreon real quick. Yeah. Go okay. I was going to say too. Yeah, kick it. just say that we're, we're, we are working, you know, have not only do we do bonus episodes, but several times a month, we put up uh, these little snippets called having my say of, um, you know, parts that maybe we talk to somebody and it's not relevant to the record, but it's still interesting. And uh, they're up there, but we're working on actually trying to have, you know, to keep, uh, to keep up on uh, more of the uh, bonus episodes. So we got some cool ideas coming uh, this past week. We did the one with Joe from hell minded bit of boat to Joe 
mm-hmm. um, Hell Minded, who also did a, a blend with Essex that was delicious, Essex Coffee Roasters, and um, some more ideas coming. So sick down the pike, on the coming down the pike, coming down, down, down the, the pike. pike on the mass pike. <laughs> what do you got, Jay? Uh, bit of bow. Huge shout out to a friend that is like family to me, and I love her to death, Mehe Shami. She was on a podcast called Double Daria Podcast with the singer of fame and someone else. And they talked about her um, role as a activist for Palestinian rights. And you can register for a 5K she's putting together um, called Punks for Palestine. And the link is in DDY Podcast, if you feel inclined to. Nice. That's so, awesome. I actually had a podcast. Six. I had a podcast to uh, shout it because I'm co-host on uh, guest co-host on. I guess by the time by the time this airs, I believe it will be up. Uh, end on end. We've talked about. Yep. Um, the episode on the Soul Side album or EP. I guess you'd say Trigger. I was going to ask about this. Uh, an excellent record. Um, I got to co-host with Brian, uh, and it was super fun. And we talked about all that kind of stuff that I like all that discord, you know, mostly soul side. So be on the lookout for that. They also have a Patreon with some cool perks. So did you play with soul side? Have at it. Yeah. When, when I was in easy creatures and that was awesome. And actually my other podcast, something to do that rears its ugly head every so often uh, our next episode will be an interview with Scott McLeod from Soulside and Girls Against Boys, who was mentioned in this interview we did, because um, he is a huge Replacements fan. So we're going to be talking to him, and that'll be up maybe by the time this airs or within a few days of this episode. So Sweet. Awesome. All right. Are we ready to kick it? Yeah, we can. Every Let's time. kick it. Kick it. You know, for those of you in this chat today who are not familiar, I somehow just got into this thing of saying yo at the beginning of every episode. I don't even know how it happened, but trademark it. Yeah, it it works, right? Well, I think I think I stole it from the Gorilla Biscuit seven inch. Okay. Right? That's for kind that of where sticker, the sticker with the gorilla. And yeah, yo. yeah, I picture that every time you say it. Yes, oh, I'm that's nice of you. I'm trademarking and <laughs> and you get a check. <laughs> well, we are here today with Drew and Garrett. Um, you would know them from other bands, but today we're not going to talk about other bands, Greg. Why don't you tell everyone what we're here today to talk about? Sure. Uh, So we're here with Drew and Garrett from the New Rising Suns. Um, New Rising Suns. Gosh, you guys 
you know, you guys formed what, like, uh, so, so I guess let's, let's get a timeline going real quick. Texas is the reason ends to see. We did mention another band. Sorry, Hop. That's fine. Tex- no, no. Te- Texas. <laughs> the history Texas has to go in there. That's yeah. fine. But we're not going to talk about yeah. Yeah. that. But yes, Texas is the reason ends in like, you know, 97 at some point into another one's into another and same time it's kind of worth discussing because it's part of the saga i guess that uh uh we had kind of gone into a lot of turmoil with hollywood around 97 beginning of 97 um and the saga continued into the new rising suns for the first year Um, and i was just kind of going through my back pages in my mind and thinking about some of this but uh and I'm sure Garrett can, you know, elucidate more of it on his end. But kind of what happened was that while I was in into another, we have a mutual friend, David Walter, who is my A&R guy uh, for Hollywood Records. He had kind of got us, uh, helped get us a record deal with Into Another. And um, just from having played with Texas as the reason and, and, you know, a number of times before we had gotten signed or before there was a lot of interest in Texas, we played together and David knew Garrett, you know, I was good friends with David. And as things became more tense with Hollywood records and within to another, and we were having more drama, I started to get into the zone of like, kind of want to do another project with somebody that's more like, like-minded kindred because there was a we've been touring so much there was a lot of like you know inner turmoil with the band and i just kind of wanted to move away a little bit he's like oh you should do you should do something with garrett uh from texas and i was like oh that's cool because you know i i really like what garrett was doing and i felt like we had a kind of a similar style or aesthetic or whatever um and we talked about this probably for like uh six months to a year before kind of everything, the shit hit the fan at the same time for me and then yeah. for Garrett, right, Garrett? I mean. Yeah, pretty much. We, I think we were on our last tour with The Promise Ring and David by that time was, you know, a big champion for the band and of course a friend, but, you know, um, a champion for the band and um, he was trying to sign us to Hollywood too for, for a hot minute there. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, he pretty much said the same thing. Um, you know, but you, I mean, I had known of Drew, I mean, since I was a, a teenager, you know, I mean, I saw bands, I guess we're not supposed to mention old band names, but I saw a bunch of older bands that Drew was in when I was a teenager, you know, growing up. Um, but, um, yeah, I guess it was serendipitous, you know, it, it did kind of all kind of coincide at the same time of, uh, Texas kind of imploding and into another doing, you know, their, their thing. Yeah, I mean, basically, like, we had run into a snag with Hollywood Records, um, and they, we had done touring for the record, uh, there was some some turmoil with, like, okay, we don't want to, you know, we had a, a deal, they didn't want to pay the band anymore, unless we were, you know, we felt like we had run the course, we wanted to get the record too, and then the record uh, label president, I guess, had gotten fired, and we had, they just stopped us dead in our tracks. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like I was doing nothing with Hollywood. We were dead in the water. And I, at that point, uh, David got me and Garrett together for a dinner um, and was like, hey, dudes, what do you think? You guys are both in this situation. And we're like, uh, we don't want to think. We just want to eat some food, probably. <laughs> Sorry, hu- hungry and needing to pay rent. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
But we were like, yeah, cool. Uh, Cause we're both in this fucking situation and we were both like, yeah, it could be cool. We like a lot of the same music and uh, let's, let's see what we can do. So it was like a gradual process of, um, I kind of had to like move out of my apartment cause I wasn't getting paid from Hollywood. I had to like uh, just find various places to live. And I was in touch with Garrett and uh, you know, he was just like, you know, all right, you can come to my apartment let's just hang out. I would travel to his, like we started very slowly and we're like, let's, he needed to move out. So like, let's get a place together. So we ended up moving in 97 to, uh, the, apartment <laughs> the, 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 the room you're fucking sitting in right now. He's you sitting know, in what used to be my bedroom. Exactly. Oh, I, wow. I that's sitting in garrett. <laughs> so, so if I would to be a, a economically deprecating, I've gone from here to here. <laughs> 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 Some of the best but, years of my life were in that apartment, but you know that. <laughs> yeah, man. We, we had some good times here. All, you know, yeah. but, uh, So that's really where it kind of began. We we moved into an apartment and we started working on music together uh, for the yeah. Rise of the Sons. Um, and along the way, while we were making that transition, Gary was like, look, man, it's going to be a lot. I shouldn't put the words in your mouth. You're like, it's going to be a lot for me to like take all the writing burden off for myself. He's like, check this guy out. This is somebody I know. This guy kept McGinnis. Uh, see what you think about it. And he played me a couple of songs of Kevin's and I was like, this dude's cool. He kind of reminded me of like cross between like Bob Dylan and like just some like garage, like nuggets, like 60 stuff. And yeah, like, for sure. Right. Um, yeah. You nailed it. Yeah. So, so we kind of, I said like, let's, 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 and then he uh, had Kevin over and we just kind of all clicked, I think aesthetically. And we were like, okay, this is kind of cool. And, uh, Let's see. Let's see. So from from there, we kind of just started in with like, you know, let's get a couple of things together. And then, Kara, what happened with Scott? Uh, it was you, you brought Scott in for a bit, I think, right? Yeah. Scotty from the Promise Ring, Scott Bestia. He was technically, well, Scott Weingard from. Right. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Scott Weingard, because Scott yeah. was, was at our first rehearsal. Um, yeah. Scott from Texas. Right. Yeah. Uh, and we we got together and um we wrote we, monday's highs that day or yeah, like right. that Mon monday's highs was the thing that kind of blossomed in that in that rehearsal yeah it was it yeah. was just kind of uh it was really easy and that was like the coolest thing was like okay we're getting together for the first time in a rehearsal room uh what the fuck is gonna sound like and we i remember garrett had the rhythm for it and kevin just had the the hook that for lick. it yeah, and it was just like immediately. It's like I don't even know, like it. Where and I just kind of put the drum intro on it. Scott came in with the, with the bass, and we just kind of had this synergy with it. And it was like, wow, okay, this is the first song. Then I think we're in a kind of a good situation. Um, so yeah, Monday's highs was the first track, and we just started to uh, build slowly from there. What were like your the so you guys said you had similar tastes like what were what were the musical touchstones for for this project because you know coming off of this is way different than into another and you know even with with i feel like texas i can see a little more of a, a byline like from uh you know texas is the reason to this kind of style with the i hear a lot of like british influence yeah um, for sure <laughs> but like what was like like because you know every band you say like, yo, I want to do a band that sounds like this, this, and this, or whatever. Well, uh, I mean, by the end of Texas, 
you know, I had already kind of turned a corner in what I was listening to, um, leaning, you know, heavily more towards the the darker of the British stuff, the Jesus and Mary Chain, spiritualized, uh, the early Verve stuff. And, you know, Drew kind of was into the same stuff. And we were lucky in the sense that that's when all of that stuff was kind of popping, you know, like um, those were, that was current stuff for us that we were really digging on. And, um, but uh, I would say, yeah, the, the, the early, the, you know, the mid era stones records, like, you know, exile, sticky fingers, that, that, that was a lot played in that room that Drew's sitting in right now. Um, a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like uh, we kind of had this kind of amalgam of, of like that era of like, like Garrett said, uh, I think it was some, maybe some darker edge, like British stuff. I remember Kevin, like, and Garrett listening to Spaceman three. And then we kind of, you know, have a cocktail of that mixed, like you said, with like, you know, some early, like Brian Jones era stone stuff. And we're like this, you know, this is kind of like, you know, uh, just stuff that's common to us, but we wanted to have that, that grit and, but also have, I think a certain, um, uh, like, I wouldn't say psychedelic edge, but definitely something that was just had more noisy, like, like spiritualized listening to a lot. That was a big record for us that summer. Those, um, we list what well, laser guys laser guys melodies yeah it's a big things. one uh you know the, the early you know mid-air primal screen stuff was right. always yeah. being played and, mm-hmm. um yeah so so i think we were you know we were doing a lot of listening together and you know again having a situation where you know we lived together and also kevin would come over and sit around with us and you know he'd be writing a ton of shit. i mean he wrote you know, with us and separately from us and brought stuff in. And I feel like it was just like the, the, the real cohesion of the band was the three of us trying for sure. Yeah, that was it. And then it was always a constant struggle trying to find a bass player. The thing for me, uh, Scott was great. Scott Weingart from Texas, but I was really concerned about uh, making it Texas heavy because they were, they had, you know, it was such a big buzz on them. They had done so well. And I was like, you know, I don't want it to be like leaning towards Texas or into another. I want this to be its own thing. And I, you know, luckily, you know, these guys understood where I was coming from. Yeah. Um, and Garrett called up Scotty from uh, Promise Ring, Scotty Bestia. Yeah. Yeah. Scotty came out and <laughs> he did his thing here in New York for a little bit, but it didn't work out, sadly. Um, we wrote some good stuff together and played a couple shows, right? Um, yeah, I think we did. We did a. I think we did like a couple of shows together. We did one with the Get Up Kids. Um, we did uh, one or two at, at at you know at, at Brownies. I don't think we had really. Oh yeah, we went on tour too. We did it. We did a tour with him. The uh, an East Coast tour um, that was pretty crazy. <laughs> It was a pretty yeah. crazy store. Uh, DG version is like we got through it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to you now about it. But but I, I kind of am moving a little forward too fast. So one thing I, I think digressing that. Um, when we first got together, the summer that we got together and we're pulling everything together, um, I was still kind of stuck in a contract with Hollywood Records and they kind of reignited 
uh, their home base. They got a new president of the label and all of a sudden the wheels started coming back into motion. Um, and this is as I'm just starting to like work on all this music with Garrett and Kevin. And we're literally in the process of, uh, I think, you know, luckily I had some connections. Garrett had a lot of pull at that, you know, with, with you know, Capital. They wanted to sign up our friend Steve Patch. So we got a demo deal through Capital and we had recorded some songs. Just as Hollywood says, we want to get into another back in the studio. I'm still under contract. And now there's all this pressure on me because I have my team in into another and the people that are representing us going, you can't stay here in another band because it's going to, it's going to fuck everything up for all of us. So I'm going, Oh my God, like I want to, I want to start this new band. I love these guys. I'm having a good time with them. I'm really enjoying this. And I have like the weight of like into another situation and the weight of the new stuff with new rising Suns and trying to make that happen. And I have to, I'm like, guys, no one can say, we can't say anything. <laughs> just, and I, it's just like every night I'm just like getting obliterated going, this sucks. This is so much pressure. Because there's actually a lot of money at stake. Like, you know, if I had to go out and actually the record that every that people go the lost into another record was done why in England why, at the very beginning of the New Rising Sun stuff. And like right after the summer in September, I left this apartment. Uh, I said, guys, I got to go out to England and record this record. And so that's what I did. We went out there recorded i mean and imagine like you're psyched on a new band a new creative project and it's like you know i i love into another but we were going through so much you know difficult we were going through so many difficult times i had to go do this whole project come back still couldn't say anything and wait longer finally long story short i go back a second time to record in england the record just was not an into another record as I've been vocal about. I felt like it wasn't really a record that I'm super proud of in terms of into another. I tried to do um, kind of a, a record that based on the, a lot of the electronica stuff that we were all listening to, whether it was Massive Attack or like Prodigy, I wanted to combine those elements, but it never really turned out exactly right. And they dropped the band because they thought, you know, this is a weak record. And then finally, I was able to concentrate on the Suns about... I would say starting in like uh, 1990, beginning of 1998. Yeah, I remember when you went away though, like Kevin and I, definitely that was the time for us to bond. And, right. you know, Kevin was shitting out the songs yeah. at that point anyway. So it was good for him and I to, you know, chip away at stuff while you were out there doing big boy yeah. shit, you know? <laughs> well, Ke Kevin and I are in fucking Queens. <laughs> it was it was amazing and it was so like isolating. I was like, you know, and, and, and this is before like, you know, I, I sound like I'm, you know, somebody's grandfather, but you know, I didn't have a cell phone then. I didn't, there was none of that. I was like, you know, calling in a, in a you know, in an English telephone box. You guys okay? I miss you guys, you know? And, <laughs> I remember uh, like we, we had one phone in that apartment just with the yeah, long with cord. The then <laughs> we just shared the phone <laughs> yeah we literally had a phone in the kitchen like it's it's like a bar it's like built like a barbell with a long hallway so like we had this extremely long cord and whenever one of us had a phone call we dragged the phone back <laughs> to the apartment uh, special moments of uh of, of calling yeah so, yeah so how does the demo deal work they just say <clears throat> we want to put you in the studio you record a demo for us if we like what you come out with we'll 
put out your record or what are the specifics? Yeah, because we, we've never been in like real, like you said, big boy, but like we just, <laughs> we, my idea of a demo was like, you guys scrape together your, you know. Well, money. I'd imagine, I'd imagine a demo deal in 2021 is a lot different from a demo yeah. deal in 1997. <laughs> well, yeah. 1997 terms. Let's... Yeah. I mean, it, it really kind of just what you said. Uh, it, okay. um, it was, yeah, you know, it was a chance to try some stuff out with you know a studio that you know the the label was most likely connected to and right. um an excuse Wait, to have fun ray yeah. martin ray martin was the engineer the guy that did ignore us um, okay i maintained a relationship with him on some level garrett you knew ray at that point didn't you or did you not yeah I, yeah i think peripherally he was uh, i was we knew each other yeah right um so we uh I, I don't know how it came, maybe because uh, it's interesting because it, at that point it was a, it wasn't David Walter who was, was, was doing the demo deal with us. It was Steve Patch who was at Capitol Records and Capitol had wanted to sign Texas. Um, and, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That was like the last, I mean, we, we had, we were about to go, we were about to say yes to, to Steve and Capitol, but um, just, you know, I'd maintained a friendship with him as well. And, you know, he was just a champion for music, period, and uh, a, a good guy all around. Absolutely, yes. He was definitely uh, a big part of that initial process. And like, like Garrett said, he was a good friend through that um, and helped us kind of get our bearings with some of this. That was the first time as the band we went in to record. We did four songs. We did Monday's Highs. Uh, we did Falling Out off the record that was released on Arctic Rodeo on the Virgin record. Um, and... Uh, Sharks and Comets. Sharks and Comets. And, it, and there, was a, there was a song called Stargrove that I disappeared. We never recorded that again. Um, you're thinking, Garrett, I think you're thinking of uh, the Grape OS 7-inch. Uh, um, yeah, you're right. That demo deal we did, yeah, and, and a song called Now I Agree. Um, so we did those for Capital, um, and they had like six months to decide, you know, if they wanted to do it or not. And... Uh, you know, we just, again, it's just waiting games. And we're in the meantime, we're trying to just build the band, play some shows, you know, hang out and and figure out what we're doing with the bass player. Because we were definitely like the spinal tap of, of bass players. Um, On drum. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. Man. It's just, we went through so many of them. But uh, in, the, in the course of that uh, time, I, I don't know if Capital had declined at that moment or not, but we got back in touch. We were never out of touch with David, but in terms of helping us along, David Walter, um, who again was my, it was my A&R at, at Hollywood and friends with Garrett and had pulled this whole thing together, was doing a, an indie label himself with Scott Weingart from Texas called Grape OS. And they're like, hey, you know, you guys want to go in and do a, do a four song EP? And we're like, yeah, let's, that would be great. That would be a help. So we went in again with, um, with Ray Martin and yep. did, that's when we did, we did Monday's highs. Um, now I agree, uh, a song called all over all the skies and sharks and comets, which is going to be the second side of the record, the new record that's coming out in June on Arctic rodeo. Um, teaser. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to ask about the new record called, uh, from, from demo to demolition. Yeah. So, demo to so that second side is the grape OS. EP, right? The, exactly. The it's EP. very, it's like a bookend, you know, for, uh, for us. Um, 
uh, the you know, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but the, the first side is a number of, it's like five, five tracks that we did after uh, Virgin said, look, you know, we don't know if this is gonna, this is gonna work um, after working for a year on the record. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we put everything into it, pre-production, uh, uh, you know, two months at Bearsville, various recordings around the city, uh, you know, photo shoot, the, all the stuff was in place. And then they say, you know, we want you guys to go back in the studio. <laughs> we were like, awesome. So we came up with like between, uh, Kevin and Garrett, uh, you know, we, they, you know, we, they came up with like five songs. We worked on them and we went in and basically with the engineer that did the, uh, set it right record, uh, Carl Glanville, he recorded it. Uh, at a small studio, these five tracks, are, they were, you know, it, they shouldn't be compared to the Set It Right record because that was a fully finished record. Um, the five songs that are side A of Demo to Demolition is basically um, what we did up to a point to show the record label when they told us to go back in the studio. And then they told us to fuck off. So they yeah, didn't do, just but it wasn't they like- They didn't like those either. But it wasn't like, was it really like the age old thing of like, we don't hear a single? Go yes. write more songs like the, exactly. like the thing you hear about, you know, all the major label bands like, yeah, we don't hear a single. Exactly. Exactly is, like that. And yeah, yeah, I mean, but yeah and just here, here's here's eight grand. Just go, go away and come back with more songs. You know, the thing that's crazy, too, is that uh, on that note is that they, they did hear a single or two. And that's that was a thing that was uh, um really difficult to swallow is that we had talked with uh their radio promotion person a number of times uh this guy eric ferris he was really psyched on the record and also like a really big champion of, of our stuff at that time and we had picked out like monday's highs i think maybe put it on the wire mm-hmm. um uh you know we had a number of things in, in contention and so we were kind of uh blindsided by the fact that they said uh go back in the studio <laughs> So like, like I, I remember in real time getting the first EP, the, the one that it was a CD. I don't know if it was yeah. on vinyl. I had Digi-pack. a CD. Yeah, it was, it was in the, it was in the it cardboard was a case. So you knew it was, it was going to be good. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> it was like the orange and yellow or red. Yeah, and yellow that was the great last one. And I, yes. I feel like I heard, and this is again, like we said, we're sound like grandpas, but it was pre like all this, inter- you know, there was internet, but it was real rudimentary. But I feel like even then it was already like, yeah, they're doing an album for Virgin. Yeah. So the Virgin deal yeah. happened like pretty soon, I guess, then after recording that EP, the great, the first one. Well, I guess David had made the switch over to Virgin during that, that time frame. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go so, ahead. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, I, I think David had made that switch over to working for Virgin. And I don't know if it was the plan all along, but, uh, you know, it was hatched there that, you know, maybe Virgin would be, you know, a home for, for the for the sons. Yeah, I, exactly. I, he was uh, he was at another record label prior to that uh, revolution, I think it was. And then um, he. Uh, he got a he got an offer. A Virgin wanted to start a flagship label in New York uh, as a home base, and at the time they were like the biggest independent major. 
Um, and they had a lot of good bands. I mean, they, at that time they had Blur, they had The Verve, um, The Massive Attack, and this is just their label proper. Um, then the Astroworks was another subsidiary and they had all this incredible um, techno and, and electronica on Astroworks and Kevin, you know, was good friends with some people over there. So, you know, we felt like we had a good home for us um, at a time. You know, before, um, and, and I and I felt like what we were doing was in it was in a good moment. It was kind of like right before a couple of years, like a year or two before the Strokes had kind of, you know, went down that avenue as well, um, which they did incredibly well. But you know, we I think it was you know it was um, uh, it was a good home for us, and 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 David was able to get us in there, even with in 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 hindsight, I think it would have been for for both the way me and Garrett had done Into Another in Texas, uh, we both did a lot of playing. We both built up serious followings for those bands. And we didn't really do the same thing for New Rising Suns. We kind of relied more on our past stuff to get us in the door and allow us that. And I'm really surprised, Greg, that honestly, that you um, had, that we, you knew about this stuff because uh, anytime I hear about people in different territories, maybe than some like local stuff, uh, it, it, it's cool. It, I'm just surprised. I'm glad you did hear of it, you know? Well, it's, you know, and it's funny because when I, I had the first EP and to me, like, it's good, but it, it does sound, it sounds kind of like a demo, you know, like I, I remember yeah. thinking even as a kid, like, yeah, this has a lot of potential. Like I want to hear, like, I want to hear the, the Virgin record. And then you had the second EP is that the same session that ended up being, uh, you know, this this one here, the Set It Right LP? Because it, I looked on, because I I had never even known there was a second EP until a couple years ago. No, I mean that that was the you know right out of the gate after you know David had signed us, we kind of made our plans. We we tried to lock down a producer who uh, ended up being Ted Nicely. We did you know Girls Against Boys, Shudder to Think, you know Fugazi. We got along really great with Ted and we made plans to go to Bearsville. And that's the record that we did for Virgin um, at Bearsville. And uh, we had spent, at that point in time, we had gone through like three bass players and Scotty had just left the band for personal reasons. Um, and so Ted actually picked up the slack because it was just too short notice and we had to get in, you know, these are like time sensitive things. So Ted nicely ended up playing bass to my drumming live while we were doing this. Um, but that record um, was the record that Virgin ended up shelving. The Set It Right was, right? So yeah. the, the yeah. there's a there's a four song, I think, no, five, a four or five song CD on Grape OS too, right? Yeah. Is yeah, that, that just the same from this Bearsville session? No, that that's, just that's, did, the one, that's the one that's gonna be on the second side of, of uh, the new record, Demo to Demolition, that Arctic Rodeo is putting out. Well, no, no, there's that. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to, there's the, did, wasn't there two CDs on, on two CD EPs? No, no. Are you talking about, are you talking about the one with the, uh, with the Drew walking, Kevin walking by on the Oh cover? yeah. No. Right, right, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think yeah, it has a that, name too. I'm look, I, I never knew that that existed until much later. It's just a teaser, right, Garrett? Yeah, right. it was just a teaser. I, I think it was kind of rushed out to just, I mean, we were constantly working, but one thing we, we played a lot of shows, but we didn't, you know, we weren't doing the rounds like, uh, 
we we really wanted to and right. mostly that one yeah 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 yeah, yeah that, that was, was kind of rushed out same session yeah okay because yeah. it's yeah. it's funny it's called thieves and angels but thieves and angels isn't on well the- again oh. to the point of like they picked out singles i mean they had gone so far as to put out a promotional ep from those sessions uh which and so we were again like <laughs> that was going to be you know like as labels do when they're going to put something out that was album artwork that was like you know here here's a sampler of what's coming out and so yeah. and we were pretty blindsided uh by by their decision at the time i mean but you know um that shit happened so they had a lot of really good bands they had placebo they had black rebel motorcycle club coming in mm-hmm. that's right and these these were bands i think that they you know um on some level i think we're already reacting so it's in you know it's like they you know you do the easiest thing sometimes and uh you go hey you know we gave you guys a good year in the sun <laughs> yeah but uh, like i guess with the I'd heard about this album and then kind of, you know, like most people, I guess you forgot about it. Right. Yeah. And then maybe about five years ago, you put it up on SoundCloud or band, you know, one of those. Right. It was SoundCloud, and how, yeah. yeah. And that's how I heard it. And I was like blown away. I was like, Oh my God, this like, this smokes the, the CD EP. Thanks. And then, you know, a couple more years go by, you get hooked up with Arctic rodeo. Right. Yeah. Um, and did this, uh, you know, put it out as set it right. Um, and then now you have these other songs. Right. Uh, yeah, that are going to be on. Cool. Like I was really happy. Um, you know, I've, I think, you know, both Garrett and I have had uh, at this point, a fairly long relationship with Frederick um, from Arctic Rodeo. And, and those guys um, have been a help with a couple of things for me, you know, and for our friends uh, as, as an indie label, in the past, I didn't really think of it as, as um, that's really, I, you know, uh, something that Kevin was the catalyst of, even though he didn't have the relationship as much, you know, with Frederick, he, it was, it was through me and Garrett Moore. He still said, I should take, he, he said, why don't you talk to the, this Arctic Rodeo about this? You know, maybe they'd be interested. And he went to Frederick and said, Hey, you put out stuff by Garrett and Drew. What do you think about this? And he went, yeah, I would be really psyched. This is like a complete record. Um, so we basically took, you know, the template for what was going to be the Virgin record and um, had it remastered uh, through someone Kevin knew um, and uh, for vinyl. Alan, Alan, uh, Alan Deuces, Alan yeah. Deuces, yeah. He's, yeah. he's done a ton of stuff I've seen. I love the way it came out. I thought it came yeah, out. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Yeah. Because the one on SoundCloud actually says it was mastered by Howie Weinberg, I think, right? Back today. Back then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then this, it, is, you okay. know, it's like at this point it was only, you know, that was mastered for CD, you know, in '99 or whatever, right? Uh, I mean, again, it's amazing that it got to a place where they had spent money literally down the road on everything, uh, you know, including like you know, mastering at Master Disc, recording at Bearsville. I mean, it was definitely you know a couple of pennies were chucked our way. So, so was there ever any? Because you know, on where it went podcast, we talk about revelation yeah did you you never thought of maybe even having jordan like yo do you want to do you want to put this out like you know it's funny i actually uh before in in the process back in 2019 of of considering it because again like um we had just i don't i guess we had just gone through a period of 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 
I don't know where it came from exactly, but it was just like thinking about the record again. And maybe Kevin, again, was the catalyst for like picking it up, picking the torch up and going, we should put this out. Um, we went to, a, I did go to Rev. I asked Jordan about it and um, he was like, yeah, that's cool. But it's, I think they're trying to brand themselves back more in the hardcore territory. And even though, you know, Garrett did really well with Texas and, you know, I've had my moments on the, on the label as well. Um, it, I don't think it really, he felt that it really fit, um, which I appreciate, you know, I don't think just cause you know, we were on Rev, it would be a perfect fit, especially if they're trying to rebrand the label in, in any particular way. And I think actually, you know, Arctic Rodeo for how diverse they are and for like the progressiveness of taking care of a lot of our friends who had, who had moved on from different bands, whether it be like a Chamberlain or, you know, just they, they put out, you know, stuff with Walter through his solo stuff. Um, yeah. it, you know, uh, Garrett did Atlantic, you did Atlantic Pacific with them, right? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Freddie's just uh, full on love of music is it's so obvious in everything that that label does, you know, right. it's just pure quality. And it, uh, I, I don't think we could have found a better place uh, to, to do it. It definitely fits. Yeah. I have that. I have a, they did the jaw box, the one with like all right. the sides and stuff. And that looks super nice. Yeah. It came out really nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, they mixed the first side of, uh, of, um, of the new record demo, the demolition. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah Jay did. So they were still done with Ted nicely on bass, those tracks, right? Was that? The, so no, um, no, the, at that point that was Enzo, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. that was the last person to play bass with us, a friend of ours, Enzo Penizotto, who, you know, great bass player, played around with a bunch of different people from B.B. Buell to like Joan Jett, like after the stuff that we did. But, uh, um, he, uh, he played with us for a number of months. Um, I, had, we had hung out at a local spot, both Garrett and I, um, made friends with them, uh, and said like, yeah, we need a bass player. And he's like, cool. So, uh. We were kind of at the end of like, you know, we didn't know, but we were basically, we did some touring with him, but we had to go back in the studio. Um, Ted wasn't a part of, of the last thing. Um, I think he was really even more dismayed than we were about what the record label said. And I think it was a real big blow to him because, you know, he, you know, Ted really pours himself into these records, you know, from, from, uh, you know, having known him back in the day and working with him and other people I know. And I think like, you know, when you produce a record and you go through that much time, it's, it's bad enough to be the band, but you know, it's also like, you're kind of like the father of this record back then, if you're producing and then to have the label go after all that time, no, we're not going to do it. It's, uh, yeah. you know, it's a blow. Yeah. How did you get hooked up with, did you guys just choose him? Like, I mean, like you said, he did so many, like I look at the back of, you know, like you said, Shudder to Think, Jawbox. He did like their yeah. label ones. He did uh, a bunch of Fugazi. Like they actually went, I, I know, and they went back to him. Like I think they, they Fugazi did like a couple records with him and then they tried to self-produce and then they went back to him for like it on the Kill Taker maybe. Um, were you guys just big fans of like the stuff he'd done and just like, yo, it'd be cool or did he approach you or i think the label i think david had something to do with that right drew yeah um david yeah. friends with ted uh it would i mean they're everything he was producing were pretty were basically our contemporaries maybe a year or two older 
than me. Um, and uh, I think Ted thought based on the fact that he didn't want to go full retro with the stuff that we were doing. Cause you know, if we, I mean, we were listening to also stuff like, you know, um, uh, Black Rose, like Amorica or Three Snakes and a Charm. And I think that, you know, while there was an influence there with some of that stuff, I mean, we were also, again, there was a lot of Brit pop stuff. And I think he felt like, let's bring in a, more of an indie producer to not make it, you know, to bring, make it more left of center. So you don't come off like it's just true rock and roll for what you guys have done. And we got together and I think we all went out to the first night we got together, we went to see Blur play on their 13 record um the first time they played on that record right in the remember yep. yeah yeah Irving uh, Plaza I think uh it was like a I was like I don't it wasn't supper club man I was at, it was a nice theater I can't remember it exactly it wasn't Irving but um I remember they opened with that uh that first track off 13 tender tender yeah yeah that's yeah. a great song yeah, yeah. oh yeah uh, now we just had a great night, you know, we, we just had a great night. It was great. We all went out to dinner we went to the show and, you know, we had a lot of musical commonality uh, and we thought, let's give it a shot. And um, Ted came down to uh, start pre-production with us with his go-to engineer again, Carl, this guy, Carl Glanville, who ended up, you know, uh, he, he worked on a lot of that stuff with Ted and went on to engineer for U2 for a number of years phenomenal engineer i think when it like the guy that introduced me to like bbc miking for the drums you know like it was it was great you know going to bearsville with someone that had that knowledge um but they came down to a rehearsal we were rehearsing at a place called alien space on uh on rivington street uh at that time and and popped in and made the introductions and we just got to work and it clicked yeah it's and then a put put us through uh, bass player auditions, which, oh, was the first, right. which was the first time I'd ever really done anything like that in my life. <laughs> Ooh, that was beautiful. That's, that's how we discovered we just couldn't figure it. We had a number of people come into the pre-production uh, moments, which is bad enough. It's hard enough to do pre-production without trying to find uh, a, a player. A fourth member mm -hmm. of the band. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> terrible. Like we're like literally trying to like pull like really like get these songs solid for this record, and we're like you know going through like I think we went through like two or three different bass players, and finally, and none of us were feeling it—not Garrett or Kevin or I or, or Ted. And uh, we uh, finally, Ted was like, you know, I, I could play bass on this, and uh, Ted picked up the bass and started playing. I was like, yeah, man, motherfucker is solid. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's like uh, that Metallica, uh, Saint Anger, when Bob Rock just plays bass. Yeah, you know, the, you know, the movie. I mean, the root was always the three of us, anyways. Yeah. And, um, so you know, um, I mean, I would have preferred if we had a solid bass player. I think just for, you know, the the energetically, I think it's nice to have four table legs and three. You know, yeah. um, in a band, unless you know you're like some power trio, but we weren't. I think it would have befitted us to have, you know, a better dynamic, having a solid fourth person probably could have helped us. Um, but uh, certainly for that time, I mean, I, I definitely look back and, and cherish that that Bearsville time that we had because man, it was a really, it was a nice recording process. And uh, we were li living at a, at a, at a play, like at one of the houses, you know, it's not there anymore, Bearsville Studios. Um, Garrett sent me a demolition picture of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm that's demolition. For, yeah, there you go. Yeah, it was for, for me, that record and that experience was, one of the only times in my life like that I feel like a record was like fully realized, you know, like uh, I, I felt 
fully satisfied with everything that we had done and we worked really fucking hard on it. And yeah. um, I guess, it, I guess that's why it was <laughs> as much of a blow as it was when Virgin yeah. told us to stuff it. Yeah. Yeah. We went to a couple of different studios. We did, um, you know, basics at Bearsville studio for set it right. Um, we did, um, uh, I, Kevin and Garrett both played guitars. I remember them doing uh, guitars for both. We did the bass and then we did overdubs at a place called the Magic Shop in New York City, which I don't know is still there. Uh, I would assume it's not. And then uh, uh, Shelter Island Sound, right? It was yeah, Shelter it Island. Says, it says here, Bearsville, Magic Shop NYC and Shelter Island. Was yeah. Shelter Island, um, oh, I'm trying it to- was think in Chelsea, wasn't it? No, yeah, like I, a, did, like, I did ignore us there. Okay, I, I was going to say some of these look, because I think Magic yeah. Shop, like Sonic Youth may have done stuff there. Like, it yeah. sounds so familiar. They just David sorry. Bowie, David Bowie did stuff at Magic That's Shop. It. I know that. Does like Tony Visconti do a lot of stuff there yeah. then? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And they had just re I think they had just remixed like music for the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus there because they had a the thing up there for it. And I was like, oh, mm. sick, you know, like they just, <laughs> the reworking there. But but uh, we we went in, I think we just wanted to start reducing the amount of money that was flowing out, hemorrhaging out from from the from the deal. So we were as we were, you know, consolidating what we were doing, we started to like go um, into smaller spaces. And then we ended up doing vocals at Shelter Island, which I knew from, like I said, from doing the Into Another Ignorus record with Ray Martin uh, at that space. And Garrett did vocals there. And we had some other cool stuff there too. We had uh, some of the background stuff that you hear on, uh, on the record on two songs, um, Bring Me Around. And what's the, what's the other one, Garrett, that we had in the background? Uh, we had uh, Bring Me Around as the background singers. We have the horns on um, uh, Monday's Highs. We had the back. Uh, that was uh, Luther Vandross' background yeah, singers. Luther Vandross. <laughs> he uh, he came to the studio. The yeah. Uh, in, in the background singers, were, it was an amazing moment of, of, for, of history that we got to... Uh, David Bowie's background, two of David Bowie's background singers for Young Americans are singing on that. Oh, Very really? Nice. Wow. Yeah. And then the uh, SoundCloud says, Jason pointed out to me earlier, the SoundCloud also says that uh, Doug Petty, who played the Hammond, had something to do with Stone Roses. Did he? <laughs> that's what it says there. <laughs> yeah, it says, yeah. I like to think that's a yes. <laughs> it says it Doug Petty, Hammond Organ, Stone Roses. The people that were that were involved Maybe. superfluously are way cooler than that. <laughs> and then Jason and Hav will be happy to know that it says Carl Glanville. You mentioned that he worked with you too. He also worked with Counting Crows. I saw yeah. that. Mm -hmm. I we had a we had a counting we had a, a debate uh, on an episode of we were we were, uh, Counting Crows versus Third Eye Blind. That's a really that's a tough choice. <laughs> Do you have to pick one? <laughs> How about yeah. you pick the so, black crows? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we were talking about you going to see Blur, and I and the, the question in the back of my mind was, who is Team Blur and who is Team Oasis? Oh, that's a good uh, one, Jason. All Oasis in the band, I think, right? Blur. Uh, oh, Drew! <laughs> Drew, you and Richie are Team Blur. <laughs> yeah, Richie. Oh, yeah, you. Were and I love. I always love Blur. I. I Thirteens, mean, yeah, Garrett. I think Garrett was the Oasis guy, and I definitely. Uh, 
I definitely always would go for Blair. Yeah, for sure. That's so, good, man. That's what you need. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Push and pull. So yeah. uh, you guys, you said you, how much, how many shows do you think you guys played? You said you did tours. Who did you tour with? Pink. We played, yeah. a, we played a show. I wanted to Pink ask about that. Yeah. You She's know from the, my area, actually. It's yeah, right you know the, uh, the, 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 the game is ending when you end up on a Mentos tour uh, yeah. opening. Uh, Sponsored by Mentos. Like two big, two big uh, inflatable Mentos not you know, wi- wibbly wobbly things like Whoa. you know the things that are in front of car dealerships, but yeah. they're Mentos things. Yeah, on either side of the stage. Uh, <laughs> we right play. We we, uh, <laughs> we did some cool shows. We had a great tour with uh, Manic Street Preachers. Um, yep. Amazing dudes. They were so cool with us, man. Yeah. I still have a note from them that they left us in the dressing room at the end of the of the uh, of the tour. We opened for Iggy Pop a couple of times. Uh, yeah. About that. And yep. That, that was at that, Irving Plaza. That was a great right. couple nights. Um. You know, there's just things like there was some good shows. Uh. There. I'm sure there were a few others that I'm forgetting, but those were those were. Uh. You know, a lot of the tours we did too were with maybe I know we did one with Chamberlain. Uh, we did some stuff just, you know, on our own, like, you know, just woodshedding out to the West Coast. And then we did one West yep. Coast run. Um, I, it's hard to it's hard to keep track. I think we should have done a lot more touring and a lot more playing. Um, yeah, we 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 kind of I think not having that all important fourth member member kind of held us back in that sense. I think otherwise we definitely would have been doing at least a hell of a lot more in New York City. You know, Absolutely. I mean, but. To be fair, we were locked away in that space on Rivington Street writing, you know, either that or in the room that you're sitting in writing. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I, you're right. I, I wish we could have played more, but we did what we could with what we had. <laughs> right. and, we, and we did like a good party. <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you think, so if you had the fourth member, do you think that even like getting dropped by Virgin, you maybe would have kept going and just you know, tried to find an indie to put it out then and, or did you not even, were you not even able to touch it? Is that why it took so long to get it? It was just, when you go through all that kind of abuse, both like internally and externally, I, and I, and I kind of, the same thing kind of holds true within to another for, for me, I'm not going to speak for Garrett, but um, I just feel like you're so, you're so fractured and your, your head is so messed up. It really, I have so much respect for bands that, um, can pick up and move on from getting dropped after they put their so much work into stuff and just keep moving forward. Because, um, you know, I've had it happen twice to me with two really fucking amazing bands. And it's, it's like, I, I, I don't know that in the state that we were in, I don't, that we couldn't have survived it. If we had a fourth member and the dynamic was totally different, you know, it's, it's, it's maybe, the, Maybe, but it's hard to say, you know, we, we were just so stressed out and done and felt ripped apart by like, you know, we had put so much into this to see it like, you know, drag down. There's a lot of internal turmoil that just, you go like, how do we get past this? And we can't. So, yeah. I mean, that was like, that was the, the era sad. I mean, you know, you yeah. see all those bands there. I remember there was like a, what was that? Oh, punk planet. They had this whole like, issue was like interviewing all these people that were like on major you know that got signed to major labels around that time and some of them were successful you know you had green day and you had uh you know uh jimmy world or whatever uh well eventually they they had a rocky start too but then you had a bunch of bands that like jawbreaker 
and all those kinds that yeah that they got dropped and then they're just like fuck this i'm we're done yeah absolutely you know i i get it you know i mean i i i wish in you know some circumstances that you know i can you know things could have 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 worked out obviously better um but it's just the path i think that you have to realize that you know it's your own you have to make of it what it is you know you can't if you're not if it doesn't feel right it's like you might as well move to the next thing you know, I mean, and certainly the 2000s have been a much different animal for us both, I think, musically, where we've gone through so many different bands compared to like when in the 90s, it was like you're in this band, you know, and you're loyal yeah. to the band. And that's the way it seemed, you know, when I was it into another what it, that's the same reason I stopped playing with Youth of Today um, after Break Down the Walls, because I was like, I'm in bold, you know, so yeah. it was a trend, I feel like, you know, that I wasn't the guy that was in a number of different things. And um Get to the 2000s and it was like okay and i'm not gonna do that anymore. i want to do music man yeah because you did you did um well you got dead heavens right with walter yeah i mean um, I did, sorry no i was thinking that was what way else? later though you know i okay. done, after right out of out of new rising suns i found tom capone from quicksand was looking to do something so we kind of did a rock band you know and I, I did a bunch of different you know, shit like Godfire's Man with Artie from Era Type Eleven, and okay. played a couple of things with Walter and yada yada. And was the was the Eric. thing with Tom Instruction, or is that something different? No, that was Instruction was with Artie Shepard, who ended up after that kind of fell apart. That's when I worked with Artie in uh, okay. Godfire's Man, and then Gary, you were doing Soleil with Sergi, right? In the early yeah, days. I saw I saw yeah. Soleil and when you guys played in Philly, right on two thousand three. It? it was at the I don't even remember. Was it the North Star, the Kyber? Did any of those Maybe the sound Kyber. Familiar? Maybe the Kyber. It's downstairs, great. like a little downstairs thing. Yeah. In the, Kyber. the Kyber. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. That, that was pretty much, yeah. I think I went, I moved back to Buffalo with my tail between my legs after after the suns <laughs> imploded. And uh, <laughs> that's pretty much when Solea started out. Yeah, and then from Solea, I just, I kind of meandered around for a little bit. And then that's kind of when Frederick from Arctic Rodeo came in to my life. Cause uh, when Atlantic Pacific kicked off, they were uh, Freddie and, and Freddie and the guys at Arctic were, you know, our first and only home really. Yeah, they were great. They did, uh, I met them through Walter initially with walking concert when I was playing with him and walking concert mm. from there. Oh, uh, that's right. You did walking. Cause I saw walking concert right. also at the Kyber. Right. Yeah. With yeah, I love Jason's those uh, Renee Hartfelt. Yeah, I was at that show doing merch for Renee Hartfelt at that time. Yeah. Oh, so I cool. was there too. Because yeah. we were, I we... picked up a walking concert shirt now. That's great. <laughs> and yeah. Drew, Drew, we Atlantic Pacific toured with Walter when we did, you were yeah, with, we did, uh, in Europe, uh, right? Solo though, that was the walking concert stuff. That's when he was. But that was in it was in Europe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a, AP did uh, uh, in in just the Walter Schreifel's band because I did. Yeah, I did the walking concert stuff, and then after that broke up, I, I was doing the. I moved to do the stuff with Artie and and uh, uh, Joe Grillo, who is also um, in instruction, and gave for Johnny Depp with Artie. I played with them in, in <coughs> Godfire's Band. Okay. And, and uh, Arctic Rodeo had put out Godfire's Band record, and I think it sold about a million copies, went platinum, and. <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> was walking concert and walter on the motorcycles the same thing no uh okay that was i think wasn't did daily play for the motorcycles i think so 
I don't know. I know that Richie likes to 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 make his his point sometimes, saying like, "Are you still a sidecar to the motorcycles?" To me, <laughs> oh, <I'm laughs> yeah, that's so far. I I just remember that I saw a Walking Concert like yeah now live yeah. real time. It's, amazing. Real it's time. amazing to think how long I, think I saw him like, too. Well, that was a while ago, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I've known Walter, you know, Walter for such since we were kids doing the hardcore stuff with GB and, and Bold and all that stuff. But, you know, we didn't really get together to play till that and then some of the solo stuff and then Dead Heavens in like the uh, around 2016, which came out of the solo stuff with uh, Nathan Aguilar from uh, Cults. You know, we went, did okay. a solo tour together and just kind of built a band out of that. But anyways, it's kind of getting too divergent. That's okay. So uh, we wanted to ask about, so... This is a little story, you know. This band is has a story, yeah. right? And and it is a sadly typical story of of the times of the nineties. Yeah. You know, the band's getting signed. There's a, you know, if you go on YouTube, there's like a three minute little teaser for a documentary, and there is a documentary being made yeah, about our, the band. Yeah, our our friend Olivia Sally who was hanging with us a lot back in the day with this group of us that were um, just a good crew back then. Um, she's, she was, she worked for like Sundance. She worked for G street productions and took a lot of time off for family stuff. And she was like, look, I, you know, I, I, with the stuff coming back out, you know, I love that time. Uh, you know, I was part of it. I'd love to try to put something together. And basically, like you said, it is a common story. So, you know, Olivia's doing this stuff. Maybe we'll call it like the New Rising Suns, a generic documentary. So there is going to be, you know, there is going to be a doc, the full, because like I said, the YouTube uh, clip says coming yeah. soon. So there will be a documentary. We'll um, see. We'll see what she does, you know. Yeah. Um, will there ever be any shows? <laughs> in general question. or will there ever be any yeah, yeah. new rising sun shows <laughs> very, we're very, gonna be playing the COVID thank you for clarifying man. very existential oh, man hey you know 2031 you know like uh yes. you're just well maybe 2030 we'll, we'll, <laughs> okay i'll wait we'll see. we'll see we'll see uh we'll see we'll see how it goes you know but uh but the, you know the, in the short term it's nice that I think the records, or at least the first one, was well received. I, I'm happy that you know, Greg, like you were saying, you liked it. Uh, this like, and and just it's. I think for I, you know, for Garrett as well. Like after what happened with us, we never thought this shit would see the light of day. So, yeah, for sure. It's you know, it's an it's amazing to think that it's even out there still. Yeah, exactly. I, I kind of leave it at that. Like you know, I, I don't mind su supporting it if it. I think it were valid or worth it, but I, I don't suffer under any like hubris or illusion that like, oh man, everyone wants to see this fucking thing. You know, it's like, if, if there was like a call going like, hey man, there's a bunch of people that really want to see you play. And yeah. blah, blah, blah. then I'd be like, oh really? Okay, cool. Then that's off, that's not on my shoulders, but I'm not going to force that on someone. Um, like if people are happy that they got uh, a hold of these records, that's more to me than I ever thought I'd have at this point. So cool. Gotcha. So just if it's just Greg from where it went that wants to show, it's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> I will play in that room. <laughs> so Jason, I know we had a, we, to wrap it up. We wanted to ask a non-related question. Didn't you have a question? We wanted to, we figured we'd keep it fun. Oh. With the Rev. 
So normally, I'm putting them on the spot. Yeah, you're putting me on the spot yet again. But normally, when we talk about the releases, we say, "Oh, you know, what's your hot track?" And that's either the song that you enjoy playing live, or maybe the one that you had, you know, just a fond memory of recording. But for this episode, since Demo to Demolition isn't out yet, we wanted to ask, "What's your hot track on the New York City hardcore?" The way it is, comp. Oh shit! <laughs> no. Wow. Can I, the, can, I can I Google the track list? <laughs> it's been about 35 years. <laughs> Wait a minute. I will have a favorite track. I just have to find it. Me too. Uh, so mine was As One. Oh, I can't remember what great. What was yours, Hobbs? Hobbs was... Um, was it what, Gorilla uh, Biscuits? Was yours Gorilla Biscuits uh, <clears throat> Forgotten? Maybe, yeah. And then mine was Super Touch. Mm-hmm. That Super Touch is a good one. Man. I'm looking. Yeah. And I stand, you know what? This is actually a good time to say I stand by my choice. That was like a year ago or something almost. Oh, man. I stand by. I, I'm going to go with Searching for the Light by Super Touch. I mean, I, I love those guys. And I mean, they even opened for, for the Into Another shows we did a couple of times in the last like, you know, few years. That's right. So I'll, 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 I'll go for Searching for the Light. Nice. Now that I see Wise Up's on there, I might go with, with <laughs> Wise Up. <laughs> that, that was my favorite recording of Bowl that we ever did because we did the same session as Super Touch at this place called The Music Box on Avenue B. And I, I love, I wish we had done the full record there. It's, it's just like raw and shitty sounding. And like, <laughs> it's the best part. But yeah, it's those, awesome, those, awesome though, that version for sure. Yeah. That's it was a cool studio. It was a cool studio, man, for sure. Just a little tiny sweat box on Avenue B. Yeah. <laughs> so guys, thank you so much. And Arctic Rodeo, you uh there's still pre-orders up. I think there's yeah, a, I think it's June, right? June sixth or something. June sixth, uh, I think. Yep. Okay. And there's a package where you can get a uh tote bag. There's a, like yeah. a deluxe bundle. Arctic Very rodeo, uh Arctic recording, Arctic rodeo recordings. Yep. Dot com. Dot com. I had a double check on the thing. But <laughs> and there's yeah, check. blue vinyl, right? Blue vinyl and white it, vinyl. Yeah, the blue vinyl looks cool. There's two of them. You know, there's two. There's I think there's a, a clear and a no, not a clear on this one. Yeah. Uh, there's a blue and there's there's one other one, but they they both I liked them. They were cool. I, um, but uh yeah, I know you have to go to the site or whatever and, and see. Uh but they're both on pre-order now in June. And I just want to thank you guys for taking a side note from the rev category to like give time to me and Garrett, man. Really yeah, thank you guys. Oh, dude, thank thank you. you. Yeah. I'm yeah. A, like I said, I, I forget what color I ordered, so I'll be surprised <laughs> when it comes. Yeah, nice. I saw uh... you're gonna get the Willy Wonka ticket in it, brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the free show. Yeah, I'm glad that Drew is team blur. I'm just going to throw that out there because I 
I think that I'm also team blur. Actually, really? you know what? Got to say I'm team pulp. Uh, I would yeah. rather listen to pulp than either blur or blur or Oasis, but my preferred listening in those three of the big, those, cause those are the big three of Britpop, right? Who's the fourth verve. If you had to do a big four, would it be verve? Uh, Stone roses. Yeah. So Stone roses like predate to me. Those, uh, Stone roses. Even got though they, they got two hot tracks. That's it. <laughs> but those tracks are fucking. But those hot. tracks are fucking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, they, no. Hey, Lord if, forgive if, me. If Stone, roses, if Stone roses had a seven inch or maybe even a ten inch, it might be one of the greatest records of all time. Uh, but Twelve inch is too much. Well, no, much I music. guess Stone roses were like in the proto. Know, it's like proto Brit pop. So, but but at the same time, Blur started like their first album was ninety one or ninety mm-hmm. Leisure. Mm-hmm. So the Blur versus Oasis is funny because I do actually really like Blur, but I'm I'm Team Oasis. Um, yeah. But I think Blur might have a more solid catalog. Correct, and as they progressed, I think that Blur still kept putting out good albums like think tank stuff like that as opposed to some of the oasis stuff um, I, I like the oasis so but to me nothing beats the first two oasis albums and yes their respective single i guess what what would be the master plan album mm-hmm. which is the b-sides and singles so to sure. me none of the blur stuff can hold a candle to those here's a, here's a question though sure, noel, or, noel or liam oh come on <laughs> what, what what is it what's your answer jason fucking liam all day yeah for sure for sure yes. well so I, i'm actually mostly <laughs> referring to uh post oasis material well i was gonna say i've got a good story i can just, tell you are you referring to just their voices or like songwriting because if it's songwriting then well, it's song wrong it's null for sure okay so let's talk about uh as a Come lad on. As a as a lad, Liam, and, for and, sure, and post Oasis material, um, yeah, because that Liam. But see, here's the thing with the Liam solo stuff: he has like a lot of co-writers and all. The um, last one was okay. So does Morrissey, and the first Morrissey solo is better than the Smiths. But the first, the first Liam album is really good. I thought that was better than the second one. Yeah. Mm. I really like that live one that he just did. And then uh, in lockdown, I watched the live stream when he was on a fucking boat in the Thames. And that was fucking awesome. <laughs> Bit about a Matt Pike for having me over. Uh, we watched it. It was fucking, it was a really, really good performance. When me and Jason saw Liam, he was Yeah, awesome. we saw Liam together, dude. Yeah. That's wild. That's right. And, and, and it got up close, like closer mm. than you would get seeing mm-hmm. Oasis, I think, at, mm-hmm. at this point. And uh, yeah. that was a cool show. Richard Ashcroft, which you missed. He was great. I too. know. I, I heard Her. he was better. I heard Some was people better. said he was better. I mean, he was great. But uh, yeah, nothing touches those first two Oasis and the singles. Yeah. I've got Sorry. a Liam tattoo. You guys know that, don't you? No. No. Let's yeah, see. Yeah, a tattoo of Liam. Uh, His face? It's him giving oh, the middle finger. Him with the park uh-huh. on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wong Tattooer did this from Korea when he uh-huh. guested in New York City. And so Liam did a meet and greet at um, Rough Trade. And I was like, you know what? This tattoo needs Live Forever written above it sure. by Liam. Sure. So I'm going to take the bus and I'm going to go get that done. Get him to sign Live Forever. I'll go get it tattooed. So uh, 
because he, he does a meet and greet at Rough Trade. It sells out within like one minute. I got the tickets mm. though. Nice. I take the bus up. It's raining like shit, like mm-hmm. pouring down rain buckets. Um, he comes out. The meet and greet, no photos. You just go up. You meet him. Literally meet him and he <laughs> greets you. He shakes your hand. He signs your record and things keep moving. The meet and greet lasted a total of like three minutes. And there was probably a hundred people there. So I wow. go up to him and I'm like, Liam, can you sign live forever above this? This is a tattoo that I got of you. And he looked at it and he's like, Oh, what's that? Who's that? Is that me? And I was like, yeah, that's you. Can you sign live forever above it? And he just signs Liam. <laughs> <laughs> you get a tattoo though? <laughs> he signs it huge, but he signs it over, your over all my other tattoos. And I was like, no, no, no. Can you write live forever? And he's like, there's not much room there, is there? And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, well, fuck, dude. I don't want to have this awkward, like, interaction with weird. him. And now it's weird. So I was yeah. just like, in, well, it didn't get weird. I just knew when to say when. So I was sure. like, okay, cool. And then I just walked off and I was like, you're the last true rock and roll star. And he's like, I hope I'm not. And was, Damn. And then I went, and so I take the bus back to Georgetown my good friend Tad works at Jinxproof in DC and I go uh-huh. to Jinxproof and I'm like, Tad, this is what Liam wrote on me. Should I get this tattoo? And he was like, you will regret that if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> if you do it, right? If I do oh it, Oh yeah. my God, yeah. dude. That so sounds just, like something that would be like in a nightmare I'd have. Like where you're like all excited, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like one of those dreams where you like, Meets and it's like you, you you can't walk fast enough. It's in slow motion or something, and that seems like what it would be like. Like you you, you took the bus up, you know. Yeah, God knows dude. how long that takes. Yeah, so, I met Kurt from Time Flies. Kurt Kurt from Time Flies went with me to the meet and greet. Like, and Kurt was like, "Dude, you should get that tattooed. Like, you're gonna regret it if you don't." But uh, mm. I fully don't regret. Um, yeah, for sure. Not getting that tattooed, and I have the LP. He signed the LP. It looks fucking dope. Oh, okay, so at least he cool. so he did sign something. So yeah, he signed there, something. There, he signed okay. the he signed the LP, and then he signed my arm and didn't write "Live Forever" like I asked him to. How long is the How dope. long is the bus ride? <laughs> I, uh, from was it a super a super bus? Uh, is it five or seven hours? That's too long. So seven on the hours. ride home, were you like, "What the fuck have I done with my life"? Yeah, Greg, fuck no. I was the opposite. I was like, fuck yes. I took a bus up to New York <laughs> last minute in the rain to go hang out with fucking Kurt from Time Flies and meet Actually, Liam and yeah, try to get really him. You know what? I like that. See, I like that. That's oh, a good this, attitude yeah. to have. These are the kind of memories not to date the podcast, not to date what's going on right now. But I'm like, fuck yes. I'm happy I did that shit because now sure. I've been in the house for a year. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I thought it was interesting in the interview to shift gears real quick that A – Drew referred to it as the unreleased into another record, right? He didn't put a name on it. And then also the uh, information, I wouldn't even call it Shinfo, just the information that it was recorded in England, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like we are slowly going to unravel the mystery of what is commonly known as soul control. And we have some... We have some time to do that. It might need its own episode, to be honest. I think it should have um, one, for sure. I Have we talked about the fact that we received bootleg copies of the CD in the mail? That's right. <laughs> I, I remember. I, so, right. so they just uh, mysteriously appeared in my, in my P.O. box. My P.O. box is uh, – it's on, it's on the internet. 
anybody could look it up and, and see where to send me mail. So I get stuff in the, in, in the PO box. I just got a package last week that I didn't know was coming. Remember, and we'll talk about that soon on another episode, but I, I got a box and it had in it. Uh, now this person has sent me bootleg CDs in the past. I got bootleg. Do you remember three inch CDs? Yeah, oh, yes. SST. Okay, SST. Yeah, SST made those. I have both chain of strength seven inches on three inch CD. <laughs> not on, not on Genius. one three inch. That each one is on a three inch CD, and then they just shrunk the artwork down. So this company, there, that's what they do. They make bootlegs. So I've had Soul Control for well over a decade on files or some sort of burned CD or something. Uh, at one point, um, you know, my friend Michael from Hellfish burned it for me. But this was somebody actually took the time to make a bootleg. And I think that's okay. Um, you know, I don't think that you're going to see it in record stores or anything. It's not like they're selling it here and there. I hope I'm not getting anyone in trouble right now. But uh, it's a cool thing to have. And that record is, it's mysterious. And it's got some tracks. It seems unfinished. It is unfinished. Yeah, it's Richie unfinished. It's, it's unfinished. Richie yeah, confirmed. So. Okay, so, and what I also would like to, when we get to it, uh, there was this website called myspace.com that existed for a few years. Bit about a Tom. Hey, I met Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Did you meet Tom? I, so, you know, I DJed for many years okay. in Orange County and Los Angeles. And I don't remember how but I got asked to DJ a MySpace party at the Hollywood Athletic Club. Um, yes, I... Anyway, what it, my point is, Richie Birkenhead had a MySpace page. Okay? Okay. At, and around this time, he was playing acoustic. It was just oh. Richie, remember that? And an acoustic guitar. This has got to be around 2004. So I think I'd like to some, hear that. I think there were some acoustic jams on there. And then there was a song called The Only One, which is on Soul Control. Chromax cover. No, it's on Soul Control. And it's one of the only songs that's like, you, you know it if you hear it. He, that's like the lyrics. And he says, lonely only feels right when you're gone. You know that song? Are, am I crazy? Am I just crazy right now? No, no, no. no. I'm you, not are too you familiar with this? Yeah, you listen to it more stuff. than I do. I do because I'm a fucking super fan. God, <laughs> no, I love Into Another. But I, yeah, I, just, I love them. Also. For some reason, maybe because it was, it had been pitched as being this unfinished thing. Yeah. Although I do have to check out that CD that you sent. Um, um listen, Soul Control. It, there are some songs that drag. There are some some things that needed to be flushed fleshed out a little Fle bit more yeah okay Flush, fleshed flushed i'm with you <laughs> fleshed out down the pike um, yes. and there are songs where it sounds like there's no actual instruments which is very interesting it almost looks like bjork got uh some album credits on that and it makes sense maybe that it was recorded in england i wonder what drew was playing because it doesn't sound like drums to me I, either some of it is it, it's drums but then it's like heavily uh you know there's a lot of effects on it and stuff maybe he was messing around with the uh the old drum machine some some, yeah. 80, some 808s and stuff like that but to be real i've only listened to it i think three times i think i need to I need to bust out that CD and take it, take it yeah, on a car ride. We need to do an episode 
yeah. though, too, around that time. Yep. Um, so I guess before – did you have any more stuff related to the interview? No. I'm just saying I'm, I'm psyched. As you know, I, I as a fan of New Rising Suns, especially the the album and these these new track. Well, we say new. These final tracks they did on this uh, upcoming release, the five songs on side A, are really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a fan of the full length that came out, you'll enjoy it. Um, and then on the B side has the uh, first CD EP. Mm-hmm. So like we said, that's Arctic Rodeo. But I want to talk about something we talked about off camera. We were talking about the Discord earlier. Mm-hmm. And somehow the subject of – so Lifetime, the band, mm-hmm. they uh, just announced that they're writing new stuff. Yeah, so Brooke, – Now, granted, I've, Brooke, I've Brooke, heard – hold on. Sure. I, I've, I've heard this many times. They've said this a lot. Mm, they're writing right. in the last 14 Sketchy. years. Ah, so, I forgot about that. Um, I hope this is for real. What's crazy to think is that the gap, I mean, they're writing now, so something's not coming out till 2022, right? Oh, I mean, if it comes, if if you turned a record into a vinyl pressing plant today, you wouldn't get it until 2022. Right. So that that's going to be, that's going to be 15 years since the self-titled reunion yeah. one, which at that point was 10 years since Hello Bastards. Yes. So uh, the, the, the gap, or not since Hello, since uh, Jersey's Best Dancers. So if you think about the gap between records is even longer than, you know, when they had broken up and gotten back together. But yeah, they're writing new stuff. And we mentioned on the Discord about the last album, the one that was on Pete Wentz from Fall Out Boy's Decade, decadence. Decadence, is it? Decadence. I, I mean, I pronounce it like decadence, like, right? Like, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. But, I don't know. But it could you be. might be right. D- um, DK Dance. We were saying that record's fantastic. Okay, so, so DK Dance is a imprint of Fueled by Ramen, which is right. super interesting to me because uh, what label has Fall Out Boy been on primarily? Do you know? It's not fueled by ramen. It's like universal or something. Island, right? but island. It's, it's but that's because fueled by ramen is actually like owned by Universal or something. Ooh, okay. okay. I don't so think it, it couldn't was. have been though at all. For they must have been sold at some point, right? Because I, I thought of them as a smaller label. Um, fueled by ramen. I mean, in the beginning, yeah, but by the time like that, the Fall Out Boy. My understanding is when they did that Take This to Your Grave album, uh-huh. that, like that was supposed to be on Island and uh-huh. Island like funded it because they were kind of like, well, why don't you do an album on an indie first so you don't just come out mm-hmm. of nowhere? Uh-huh. Um, well, they also had a record on Uprising. Yes, Sean Mutaki, right? Sean Mutaki from yeah. Vegan Right. <laughs> Which is so crazy. <laughs> yeah, so crazy. Um, yeah, to, to think of where Uprising, how it started and then where it went – is really crazy whoa. too. Yeah, whoa. whoa. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, we were saying that Lifetime reunion album, I still call it the new Lifetime. Right. It's the new Lifetime. Old, old. Okay, so um, A, yes, just before I read this news, because it, it Brooklyn Vegan posted a story that Lifetime had posted on Facebook and it literally just said, we are writing new music. That was the Facebook post, writing new music. Um, at 11.34 p.m. on May 
1134. Like, like the band. Hell time. Okay, so, but like just a day or two ago, I was like, you know what? We re- who would we get to do a bonus episode where we talk about the Lifetime discography? Who? Dr. Dan, bit up bow. No, no. No, I, I like okay, having sorry. No, no, yeah. I, 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 that was my first answer, but then I thought I liked the idea. And we had some people be like, kind of weird that you got a Kato H. She's not on all the records. I'm thinking, well, that was the point. I don't. Right, because she was a fan. Yeah, like we don't, for those discography challenges, we don't want to get someone in the band because that's already what we do on this, you know, on the main. Yes. But we figured someone, you know, even if they either filled in for the band or played on our record, but yeah, we're, we're, we're a big fan. Yeah, you know, maybe we should ask Pete Wentz if he wants to be on. Um, but hey, we're throwing it out there. If you're if you've made it this far into the episode, and you have a good speaking voice, and you would like to talk to us, if you're an interesting person and you think people want to hear what you have to say, then come and be on our episode, and we'll talk about the lifetime discography because I think that there's plenty of material to make like a fucking two hour conversation. I about agree. Lifetime. Easy. Okay. Cause you have to think that they have the, the set. Well, there's the demo background, seven inch background, up. remix background. Ugh. Yeah. Why well, fuck re- with background? The See, I don't, but the remixed version is one of the few times where a remix makes it sound better. And what's and that? On, is that on somewhere in the swamps of Jersey? Dirt. Yeah. Okay. That's the, so the first, so if you remember, they did that uh, somewhere in the swamps of Jersey double CD. Yes, the first, Tree, right? The, the first, yeah, the first CD had a remixed background, okay. and then the second CD was like the regular version. I think it was better. I so here's the question: two, th- two, twofold. One, hit it. Hit our it. next discography, our next discography challenge. We still have to do. I'll say it out loud so that it happens. We have to do Dag Nasty with Oisey from Ugh, End Hits. God. One, because I want to watch Javier suffer. And two, because I want to, <laughs> I want to hang, I want to hang with Oisey. That's some weird karma that I have to burn through, man. And um, so that's one. So that'll be the next one. We, we got to do that okay. soon. Yeah. Um, and the other is, what's your favorite lifetime? My, okay. Right now? Okay. So here's where. A lifetime now? Here, <laughs> here's here's where it gets the you really really have to separate best and favorite right which most people cannot differentiate between the two and I think that one is subjective and I think that one is objective so I my favorite lifetime is probably Jersey's best dancers but okay. their best record is self-titled aka the new lifetime i think that that's what makes you say that that's the best sonically it sounds the best the recording is amazing the songs are concise they're fast it's still melodic but it still has a little bit of grit to it and the songs themselves are just really really good songs uh so i think that the, the some of the previous records like Hello Bastards, I think is almost unlistenable. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Hold the, and, the phone. And, and background is completely unlistenable. Oh, to my um, ear holes. To me, lifetime started in my in my life, in my lifetime, lifetime started at Jersey's Best Dancers. You're insane. not in mine. Thank not you. in so mine. Back, I, oh my uh, background, god. Background I get, but uh, I forgot. Okay. 
What? Lifetime was my first show ever. That's right. A lifetime yeah. ago. A lifetime ago, literally. So my favorite is Hello Bastards. Mm. Um, yes. That was the one that made me a fan. I heard bits and pieces of other stuff and it did nothing. Now keep in mind, this was in real time. Sure. The Hello Bastards. That So I don't know. I, I do knowing – like if, I think if I heard Jersey's Best Dancers first – Hello Bastards may not have resonated with me the yeah, same way yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's um, it, Hello Bastards is a lot raw, more raw, uh-huh. even though they recorded the same place, same producer, same mm-hmm. band, you know, I, Hello Bastards is a lot or Jersey's best is a lot more slick. It is like, like I remember the rumor literally when they were recording is like, yeah, it's like super slick and, and, they recorded vocals like one line at a time or something mm. instead of like, which now I'm like, yeah, people do that a lot. Yeah. Like, people it's punch not a big deal. Hate, but hate at the read. time, yeah, the time it was like a big deal. Like this, yeah. you know, hello bastard sounds like a band in a room just playing, you know, fast punk hardcore. Um, but that's my favorite as far as they're as best. Like if you want to be, would it be objective or subjective? I always, if you want to be like, then yeah, I, I guess I can see your argument on the self-title because the recording is is the best sounding recording they've had as far as yep, um, as far as being produced. Mm-hmm. Like, not necessarily. It's not my favorite sounding one, but I mean, it's it is. It's the most expensive sound. You know, even though again, same thing, same lineup. They went to Steve Evitz and Tracks East. Mm-hmm. But also, Steve Evitz has done a lot of shit right. since Hello Bastards. Have you ever gotten a tattoo from the same person in like 2005 and then in 2015? Well, you haven't, but Jason, right. have you ever done that? No, I haven't done that. I have. And the experience is different because there, new technologies are out. New healing methods are out. They get yeah. better because they have more experience and more practice. And I think that's what happens, especially look at what Steve Evitz has done in the past 10 years. Yeah. Like Fuck. he worked on, he worked on like, you know, every time I die, stuff. all kinds right. of stuff. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I can, I can see your argument. I'll, I'll take it. Like my favorites, hello bastards. Sure. Um, I saw they did uh, one of those vice or not vice noise. Noisy. Noisy. Yeah. Where noisy. they do rank your records. Yeah. And Ari uh, did it. Uh huh. And he did, I think he did background. He did it from least to best, worst okay. to best. He did background, self-titled, jerseys, Hello Bastards, I think. Um, but I, I, I could be wrong. I don't know. But I know Hello Bastards was his favorite too. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that self-titled's great. Like that's that's the benchmark I use for like reunion records. Yes. I'll be like, well, can can the band get back together and put out something? that holds up with other stuff. And sometimes bands can, and sometimes they can't. Still took a second for me to get used to it though. When I came out, to be honest, someone I remembered saying, it sounds like Jersey's best dancers with auto tune. The vocals mm. were, they were just slightly different and it took me a second well, to get so used to I was, they sounded. I was able to ease into self-titled because there's the seven inch that came out with two songs all night long and um, haircuts and t-shirts. And yeah. those are different versions than are on, the album and they're even a little bit more raw. Oh, than, they're different versions. Oh, yes, now I got to get that seven inch. I yeah. You know it. how, um, at the beginning of all night long on the album, there's like, it starts out with a drum fill. 
Yeah. It doesn't do that on the seven inch. Okay. okay. Um, and, and, uh, anyway, there, I, I, I just think that that is their best album and people need to take their ego out of best and favorite. And I'm that I, I, everyone is guilty of it. I'm not singling anyone out. I'm not condemning everyone, but perhaps it's because like, this is part of our job is to analyze records and to, to really be, to, to take ourselves out of the thing sometimes like, do I love the Warzone seven inch? No, I don't really love it, but I have to appreciate it because of yeah. my position. Yeah. No, I, so I'll say again, I'm with you that I can see saying best and favorite are different. And uh, if you're thinking in terms of songwriting and sonics and everything, you know, they basically when they went in to make the self titled, they knew what they were like, they knew, you know. I think people forget that Lifetime was not when they did Hello Bastards, they were popular, but they weren't like this no, that, huge yeah. band, right? They blew yeah. up on that record there. And yeah. on Hello Bastards? Yes. Sort of. Uh, I mean, I saw it, let's them. Let's put it this way. They went from playing with um they went from playing like Chamber of Sound, Safari Club, to playing like the Black Cat in DC. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? But here I saw them twice in their initial run. Um, once was before Jersey's Best Dancers. Now, keep in mind too, Jersey's Best Dancers came up. They had broken up. Yeah, they I was broke say, up yeah, they broke the up same time. time as Texas is a reason. That was a that was a it was a bad day for like a bad month for for GSD. <laughs> for GSD did. Dude, wrong loss. In this, yeah. listen to this. In the same month or few weeks or at least what seemed like. Texas is the, I get word. Texas is a reason broke up. I was devastated. Hey, now real quick. Are they, is Texas the reason in that punk planet where it talks about no, all of the bands? They, they I know that there was a blurb in there where they're talking about. Um, probably because Sensefield was in there. Okay. Okay. So Texas breaks up. I get word. Lifetime broke up. And then Bad I get day word. For Philly. And then I get word that, um. Max Cavalera quit Sepultura. Mm. <laughs> and it was all like at the same time. But um, so the Lifetime, they broke up. The record comes out. And I'm like, oh, man. And then they did those two last shows. They played uh, the Trock in Philly was the one I saw. And the Melody Bar was the, the last show. And the Trock in Philly, they opened for Bouncing Souls. Mm. And I had seen them before it no stage like playing at drexel you know uh they played the college i went to for a year they played in the cafeteria and there was lifetime a good did? amount of people lifetime did? yeah oh no nice. was a good amount of people this was right before uh it was end of 96 mm-hmm. but then of course jersey's best comes out more and more people start getting into it and when they came back for those two last shows those were pretty i mean the melody bar small but i heard it was like packed like beyond capacity people traveled and then of course when they got back when they came back they played you know big places guess who opened up for them when they came back count me out self-titled cloak Cloak dagger Dagger. played with them in boston yeah with uh world inferno friendship society oh Um, one of them actually sadly uh that singer uh i don't know his name but he he uh from world inferno he passed away yeah yeah he um, did it recently did. so that was a, i saw them once they were super fun live what year Dude, was they, that like 2006 2007 
2007, yeah. Yeah, I um, I missed them. They came out here. They played Chain Reaction. I I didn't uh, I didn't get to see them. The, I saw them one time in 1994 at uh, with Snapcase, and I wasn't a fan. I was just like, eh, whatever. I know everybody likes this band, but I I, I wasn't really into it. And uh, yeah, so I didn't get to see them while I was uh, a fan. And I hope now if they're writing and they're going to come back around, I hope that I get to see them and I hope that they play mostly stuff off of self-titled. <laughs> um, I, I saw them. I've seen them a bunch. Um, and I think they do a pretty nice mix. I bet. But they it, have it's, a lot it's, of stuff to, to draw from. Yeah, they got a lot it's, of hits. They don't play anything from before Hello Bastards. Thank God. Um, and <laughs> they, play, oh, they don't play any songs off background. I never, I haven't. Dude, seen there that was movie. one song that I, I'm Team Background. If we do the, if we do the Patreon, I will definitely. We're going to. That we yeah. have to do a yeah. lifetime. Yeah, challenge. I'll save it. I'll save it for that. But hey, yeah, I, I like you know, uh, Background. You know what else is good? What that zero zero record? Yo, well, I got a zero I, zero T-shirt. I haven't. I, I have a. I, I have a poster from it. I like. That I record. saw. I saw them one of their earliest shows uh-huh. when they didn't use all the like electronics. Uh-huh. Like I was going to so, say they were supposed to have sounded like the clash when they first started. Right. So they Fuck, were, playing, I want to hear they, that. They were playing somewhere in Jersey. And of course my, my friends swamps. were like, yo, we, you know, Ari's got a new band. Mm-hmm. And I think Dave from lifetime also played bass. If I'm not mistaken, uh, someone will correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure. And uh, we went and it was an 18 and over show. And I was 18 but I didn't have a driver's license. So I had no way to prove. So finally I remember they let me in and they were like, you need to stand right here. Like I had to stand by the bar. It was in a bar. They're like, I'm going to have my eyes on you the whole time. As soon as the band's done playing, get out. Were you like, sir, I'm straight edge. (laughs) I was like, have you ever heard of this thing (laughs) called straight edge? Um, And I saw them and yeah, they were way more like of just like a rock band. And Yeman was there singing along. Oh, really? Um, which was cool, I, I thought, because that was like, you know, Kid Dynamite was around. And yeah. um, I never I never thought Lifetime would get back together. Um, it just didn't seem like something that was, would happen. So when it when when it was first announced, they were playing Hellfest. I remember being like, that's wild. And we yeah. played, you know, Posse Numbers that summer with um, Paint It Black. And I remember asking Dan because I was like, I'm not going to Hellfest. I was like, Dan, if I don't go to Hellfest, like, is that it? Is that the only chance I'm going to have to see Lifetime? He's like, yeah, that's all we're doing. Mm. Dude, I saw them. Uh, I saw them like two years ago, and they're great. Lifetime? Still great. Yeah, they oh played. Oh my god, uh, they're fucking fantastic. Yeah, they were still awesome as shit. They played. They ended up uh, playing St. Stephen's, which is like where I saw them the first year I started going to shows. But um, yeah, no, they're they're I'll, they're they're great, and you know, they're they're the whole package. I think um, and Ari's a great singer. Dan, but but dude, Dan, Dan's Dan's songwriting for that kind of music, like you know, melodic punk hardcore, is just some of the best. He's like, he's just a um, he's like a genius with that stuff. Yeah, let me say two things. Yo, first of all, I looked it up, and I'm sorry, I'm not more familiar with them, but it was Jack Terry Cloth that passed away from World Inferno. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. And um, um, so 
my apologies to anybody that uh knew him or was close to him they were awesome live and they came to see um they were playing down the street in new york the night before we played with them in boston and cloak dagger played abc no rio mm-hmm. and the band came to see us play so i thought that was just fucking cool yeah, yeah. i, I yeah. saw world inferno it was like 98 someplace in jersey and i had no idea what to expect and you see them and they're just like there was like f- f- fire and stuff like all this stuff yeah they it. had their own fans they were like dressed up to see them play it was pretty sweet yeah but um so, and also i was in tel hav mm. look at this show in dc that i saw tell me lifetime yep bowel okay and integrity mm. that's uh that's a hot you know what that's so 90s <laughs> that is so 90s i saw some show someone posted a flyer the other day from cbs that was like like combat combat wounded veteran and get up kids or something like that you know what i, I love mean? that Just like should yes. not have been playing together but it worked somehow yes i love when see that yeah awesome Greg, did I cut you off nah no i feel like I'm i cut good. greg off i'm sorry if i did no that's all i got honestly i'm good Cool. I enjoy talking to you guys. I, so. I think I think I think we we kicked it. We fucking yeah, we kicked, kicked it. it hard. Yeah. Drew and Garrett kicked it also. Yes, they did. Yes, um, they did. Absolutely. Man. So wait. Uh, what's our next episode? Great. So do we do we sit, do we just say it? We can say it. Yeah. Right? Fucking say it. Say it. Fuck Keep it, the detours coming. So, We're gonna pull so, off of Bucky's. So be, yeah, because of uh, you know, just because of scheduling and things like that. Um, we didn't forget. We're not avoiding, you know, we have sense field killed for less is the next rev release. Um, and it's coming. Uh, however, before that, we're going to talk to, uh, our friend, Tim McMahon and, uh, our hopeful new friend, Tony Redman, mm-hmm. f- fan of the pod, mm-hmm. uh, about their zine common sense, mm-hmm. uh, that they did in like the late eighties. Uh, and, Obviously, there's tons of revelation content there um, because, you know, that was the, the heyday of, you know, the early rev years. So that'll be a cool conversation, I'm sure. And then after that will be Sensefield Killed for Less. Nice. Revelation number 30. We got some, we got some heavy hitters coming up. We do because yeah. we have uh, Sensefield, Side. I think. Into another. Uh, engine Kit Iceburn into right. another. So – Cool. We got lots of kicking. Be good. Yep. Yeah. Kick it. All right. We'll see you next episode. Bye. Bye. Don't do it. Don't do it. it. I stopped. (laughs) What's up, everybody? This is Javier from the Where It Went podcast. Just wanted to give a quick bit of bow to our top tier patrons Billy Tunnell, Bram Hubble, Brandon Gavell, Brian Skuffington, Brooklyn, Cesar Falcon, Chad Keplinger, David Palmer, Dirk Focused, G. Jason Head, Greg Jackson, Jeremy Holohan, John Cowell, Quiet Keith, Logan Weasel, Maddie Cox, Nate of Head to Wall Fame, Rob Moran, Tim Shear, Siren Records, and Dollar Slice Bootlegs. If you'd like to help us out, go to www.wherewhenpodcast.com. You can find information about our Patreon and other cool stuff. We'll see you next episode.